In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from the maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Welcome to Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm here with Dan Schneider. And we're here to talk about all things spiritual warfare. Today's the Feast of St. Andrew. What an impressive saint. St. Andrew was handpicked by our Lord Jesus Christ as one of the twelve. He's Peter's brother. But what impresses me about St. Andrew is not only the way he lived once he encountered Christ, but the way he died. He died in the city of Patras in Greece on an X-shaped cross. According to tradition, he preached for two days straight. Many witnesses were there watching him die. Many Roman soldiers. And the tradition tells us that many people, including soldiers, converted at the sight of watching a man preach about the risen Christ for two days on an X-shaped cross. Whoa, St. Andrew, pray for us. Dan, are you there, my friend? I am uh, 10-8 for Jesus, Jess. We're ready to ready to roll on a great, great, great feast day, St. Andrew. Yes. Dan, you, you chose a, a, an article that's just mind-blowing. It just, I mean, you could almost do a whole show on this. It's called How Weed Became the New OxyContin. I, I recommend anybody listening to the show, go to vmpr.org or my website, jesseromero.com. Get the article and read it. It's, uh, again, <clears throat> it's, it's something that every mom and dad, every grandfather, grandmother should have because a lot of young people, Dan, they don't see anything wrong with, uh, with marijuana. And this article just blows that to smithereens. Let me mention something before on a spiritual warfare aspect. Before we jump into the articles, I want to take at least two segments on this article. Um, <clears throat> Dan, as you well know, <clears throat> somebody who's been teaching us for years, Father Chad Ripperger, who uh, uh, we have a personal relationship with, he talks about the five demon generals who execute Satan's plans. You, you've heard of his lectures, so have I. Uh, <clears throat> and, and he gives the names of them and, and, and their assignments, you know, Baal, demon of impurity, Asmodeus, demon of homosexuality, Leviathan, uh, the demon of homosexuality in men, but of the masculine kind, Lilith, demon of, of a female homosexuality, Baphomet, demon of child sacrifice, who, by the way, we reject, rebuke, and renounce all of these demons in Jesus' name. Go to the foot of the cross that he may do with you as he wills. Mother Mary, crush them under your, in, your immaculate heel. Now, here's something else interesting, Dan. Fulton Sheen, one of the great voices of the Catholic Church, there's an old recording of his back in this in nine. He said this uh, back in '78. It's an old recording of his. It's called <clears throat> the recording is called "A Voice from Calvary." In there, he says this. He says this quote: "The three gods that are worshipped by our modern culture are Bacchus, Venus, and Mammon. First of all, Bacchus, the god of wine, marijuana." Heroin, the god of drugs, 
close quote. Hmm. I mean, he goes on a little bit longer than that and says other things, but by the way, we reject, rebuke, and renounce Bacchus in Jesus' name. Go to the foot of the cross that he may do with you as he wills. Mother Mary, crush this infernal spirit under your immaculate feet. <clears throat> Dan, it all, it, now it makes sense to me. As I, as I read this article and I see the chaos, the destruction that marijuana is causing amongst our society, especially amongst the young people, the young uninformed uh, people that have not encountered Christ, have not had a, a conversion experience, their their conscience is not properly formed. Dan, it's 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 just wreaking havoc upon our young people. But it makes sense to me now that Fulton Sheen says that back in the seventies that there's a demon assigned to this behind all of this. Now all the human carnage makes sense. What say you? Yeah, yeah, it, it makes it makes perfect sense because whatever we see in the natural realm uh, taking place, the distortion of natural law, it all goes back to that how how uh, modernism and what what Pius XI called the plague uh, or Pius X called the plague of modernism uh, and 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 uh, calls the Virgin Mary the exterminatrix of all heresy, uh, uh, but the plague of modernism is attacks scripture, attacks the church, attacks. Now we're seeing the attack upon natural law. So once modernism is unleashed, the demons behind it now, as Father Apley describes in his uh, the five generals or the or the five who sit at the table of Satan. Mm-hmm. Now we see the unleashing unleashing of this particular spirit, the spirit of this one of the spirits of this age is this spirit of Bacchus or this 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 pleasure seeking spirit that's escapism, uh, which which people find in this. And and again, like the article says, this what we're looking at today is a freak. What the the article this is not a this is not just some rad trad. This is the the uh, the, the the tablet. This is a, this is a fairly respected uh, um, magazine. So this is a freak plant that resembles nothing of what existed in nature. We're, we're looking at a real chimera of, of, of evolution, of forced evolution, of infusion. You know, this is not what we're talking about marijuana here. This is not the Jeff Spicoli. You know, if you recall Jeff Spicoli, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I don't recommend the movie, yeah, but yeah. the character, <laughs> the kind of stereotypical California surfer dude, you know, it's all good. <laughs> Hola, Mr. Hand, right? Yeah. So this or, is not or the, the or the Chi Chi Chong. Or Cheech and Chong, you grow in the attic, you grow, like you could grow it now in the Midwest. You, we always knew a couple of guys and, and they would laugh about it, but they would, I knew a guy whose dad was a, was a high ranking police officer, Lieutenant, and his son was a big pothead and he would grow them in the attic of his house. And that's where we get the sun, you know, in the Midwest where in California, you get the sun, you know, year round. So, so this is not that because even the article explains why it's like, why Jess, why this is just, it's no different than, than drinking beer or something. The stuff that, that Jeff Spicoli smoked and Cheech and Chong smoke, that was 2% THC. This stuff, like the article says, this is a freak, a freak plant that no that no longer resembles anything that existed in nature. You're now looking at 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 10 times the THC. You're looking at 20% and higher THC just in the marijuana. And, the, and then even in, in the, the 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 vaping forms, it's as high as 40 and 50%. Every parent needs to read this article, how weed became the new oxycontin. But but you're absolutely right, Jess. I think we need to look, step back globally and say, okay, what's happening spiritually behind the scenes so yeah. we can see the movement of the battlefield? I mean, look, just look at you. When did you write your book on marijuana? Probably about five years ago. Five. Look how much. Ago. Look at how did this article. How did I'm very curious to see how this article 
influence what you what you're thinking did it at all alter your thinking and how and if you wrote another version it's, or a new worse, edition of that it's worse uh, than what i thought yeah. it's worse than i than you, i wrote down five years ago with so with some of this new you will read yeah this is good information in this article this these are scientists these are medical professionals mental health professionals um and I was very curious when I when I came across this article. Like I was very curious to get your your take on it as one who's who's written a book in this. Yeah, I've I've field. read I've read everything in that article. It just uh, there's a little bit more precision now five years after the book, uh, but it tracks it's, it tracks with everything that I wrote in the book. Uh, and and here's something interesting. Once again, uh, when I was a young man, we didn't have drug rehabs for young people. You know, the only people that were in drug rehab were adults. <clears throat> About 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, we started opening up around the country juvenile drug rehabilitation centers. That, yeah, that's fairly new. Uh, I've read the studies show that 65% of juveniles that are in drug rehab centers are there for marijuana. So if anybody says marijuana it do- doesn't cause addiction and doesn't cause psychosis, uh, the facts the facts are that 65% of clients in drug rehabilitation centers right now in the U.S. in juvenile rehabilitation centers are there for addiction to marijuana. This is a super weed. This is something, this is something, it's morphed into something completely different, Dan, as a result of people yeah, yeah. that uh, know that they can make a lot of money out of this, out of keeping people intoxicated lot- and addicted. Really? Yeah, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Here's what it says. In the era of legalized weed, the drug you think of cannabis can hardly be called marijuana at all. This is the thing. This is the way the demon always works. It's always causing confusion in the use of terminology. So we think, oh, this is just weed. This is just, you know, Cheech and Chong. Hey, you know, can you show me your license? Yeah, the license is in the back, right? If you remember Cheech and Chong. Yes. These kind of cannabis products sold online and at dispensaries contain no actual plant matter. They're made by putting pulverized marijuana into a tube and running butane, propane, ethanol, and carbon dioxide through it, which separates the THC from the rest of the plant. The and remember the stuff, the stuff that that the, the potheads in the 70s that we grew up with smoke was two percent, two percent THC. This article says the end product is a wax that can be 70 to 80 percent THC. That wax can then be put into a vacuum and even further concentrated into oils as much as 95 or even 99 percent. THCs, known as dabs. This is what people put into their vape pens in states like California, Colorado, now New Mexico, thanks to our our, our beloved governor, um, liberal Democrat, Michelle Lujan, Wuhan, Wuhan, Lujan. In states like California and Colorado, it's totally legal and easily accessible to children. There's no cap on potency, it says. And so I, I, I had a priest uh, um, who's in a rural rural part of, of, of this diocese, um, and in, 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 in New Mexico saying, Dan, I've got middle school children vaping this stuff. They think it's all cool because it's legal and it's just no different than, than you know, uh, Woodstock smoking a little a little Mary Jane out on the lawn. This stuff is almost is 99 percent. The stuff that's vape, 99 percent THC versus 2 percent. That is a massive, massive amount of hallucinogenic hallucinogenics going into the brain. And, and, and as this article says, it's causing a distortion of the thinking. It's rotting away brains. It's causing mental disorder, right? So this yeah. is a huge issue. You got it. It says, the article says, it's highly addictive. And over time, there's a significant chance it can drive you insane. We'll be right back Wednesday, War College. Stick around.
Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider, we're taking a look at the whole marijuana uh, debacle here in this country. There's a great article that uh, we're leaning on. It's called How Weed Became the New OxyContin. Big Farm and Big Tobacco are helping market high-potency, psychosis-inducing THC products as your mother's medical marijuana. Yeah, this is... A, and in this article, it has a lot of case studies of people that have c- committed suicide, have killed themselves as a result of this. <clears throat> here's, one, uh, here's one paragraph where it says, uh, there's a good... Ch- THC products, and especially if you're young, there's a good chance you'll eventually suffer a full psychotic break. 35% of young people who experience psychotic symptoms, according to another study, eventually have such an episode. If you keep using after that, you run a decent risk of ending up permanently schizophrenic or bipolar. Cannabis has by far the highest conversion rate to schizophrenia of any substance. Higher than meth, higher than opioids, higher than LSD. Two Danish studies, as well as massive study from Finland, put your chances at close to 50%. Uh, Dan, I've got some young people in my family, uh, you know, uh, nephews and nieces, that are hopelessly addicted to marijuana. And, of course, they reject the gospel. They reject all things uh, that would heal them. Uh, when I lived in California, down the street, one of my neighbors, their 21-year-old son, who was a high-level athlete, committed suicide as a result of being addicted to marijuana. This stuff is killing people left and right all over the country. Yeah, no, it's it's bringing it back to the topic of spiritual warfare. This is this is just uh, uh, legalized in some states. Uh, mask alchemy, sorcery. And one one of our listeners just texted, yeah. "Hey, it's sorcery." Absolutely right. This is alchemy. This is this is using and manipulating the chemical world for spiritual re- purposes. And uh, um, and again, the article is very balanced. I think it's 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 quoting mental health professionals, statistics, uh, um, particularly affect on young people. Because I just had a conversation two days ago with a young man who's having problems at his place of employment, um, and and because he's using marijuana and he, and he doesn't think there's a problem, he doesn't see the problem, but he's in a state of confusion. He's in a state of paranoia. He's in a state of depression, anxiety. That's the interesting thing. Young people think we're dealing with I just need something to deal with my depression or my anxiety. But what is what you're doing is it's it's like saying I need to put something I need to put something on this on this flame to put it out. So give me the nearest liquid and let me pour gasoline on it. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just going to blow up in your face. And my 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 suggestion was, I mean, again, I'm just, a, a you know, uh, uh, before I got my Ph.D. in theology, I got a Ph.D. in blue collar Catholicism. I said, look, why don't you just deal with your anxiety the old fashioned way? Right. Why don't, why don't you go to confession? Stop living a pagan life. Go back to confession. Make your light right, right with God. Right. Start praying. Start dealing with your stress on a very natural level. Exercise. Get into shape. You know, become a better human being. Become a better person uh, um, and, and, and let grace – give grace something to work on and stop trying to avoid the cross. Because I think what we see here just at root, and we see this quite often in our cases, there, 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 is, there is a deep oftentimes violation, a deep fear of suffering, a deep fear of the cross. And now we've got a whole generation of young people. And I, I kind of – I usually get dirty looks when I, when I give talks and I talk about the millennials, right, the snowflake generation. This is a generation that's been given trophies just for showing up. You know what I mean? This is a generation that 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 has been tried to be neutralized with secular humanism from the beginning. 
that anything competitive is bad, anything masculine is bad, et cetera. And so now when they're dealing with the realities of life, what do we do? They, there's a there's a there's a psychological uh, uh, metaphysical uh, or uh, uh, not metaphysical, but more of epistemological angst in this generation, part of the spirit of the age. What do we do with this? What do we do with our future? And so the, with this anxiety comes a desire to placate or to appease the pain, the anxiety. Uh, and, and, and the easiest thing is, well, if it's legal, it must be moral. It must be perfectly fine. And so the, the, the result, as we see, is it's creating even further exacerbation of the same the same problems that they're having. It's not helping. And in fact, it's making it it's making it worse. But it goes back to what we see often in our cases. People reach to alchemy. They, you know, whether you what you'll use the fancy term alchemy, sorcery. If you go down to the, the to the the herb shop, right, and you get the love potion, that's alchemy. You know, you're taking something, you're taking physical matter, and you're imbuing it with something spiritual. You're invoking false gods demons into that that substance to bring it forth and so this is what alchemy is uh to, to try to and oftentimes it's meant to circumvent the cross this is one of the main things that we see in many of our cases a violation of the first commandment uh um of, of you know uh, not the first i mean uh, um, seeking a violation through a violation of the first commandment by seeking um relief of suffering avoiding suffering avoiding the cross and so um this is one of the roots and this generation has a hard time picking up their cross a basic yeah, root right. of Christianity. Again, one of the yeah, one of the yeah. modernism, one of the premises of modernism, according to Pius X, is that one of the errors of this plague he calls of modernism is a is a denial of the 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 truth and and the doctrine of redemptive suffering. And so, if suffering has no meaning, if I'm suffering, I must alleviate that suffering immediately. And this is just a quick fix for young people. You know, that's a. That's a good way of describing the whole marijuana business. It's it's what it is is modern day alchemy. That's, I mean that that's a brilliant way of defining it. They're they're trying to use something physical to bring about some spiritual connotations. You know, try to they're trying to uh, move the spiritual or influence the spiritual by something physical. And Dan, this reminds me again, since this is a spiritual warfare show. There's there's a book that's it's a non-canonical Jewish work. It's called the Book of Enoch. Now, uh, it's it, it, Saint Paul does quote it one time. He makes references to it. But what's interesting in that book of Enoch and in, in chapter seven and eight, it it includes a detailed section, and it describes how fallen angels taught human beings how to utilize plants and cut roots to tap into their psychedelic compounds. And to elicit metaphysical experiences and, and to cast spells, so I know it's a non-canonical work. I get that, but still, you can so, you can still draw some good history. It has historical value for yeah. sure. Yeah, it has some value. So, uh, uh, to me, I just find that interesting that there's already a book quoted by Saint Paul in the New Testament, or making reference to it, that talks about fallen angels that will utilize plants, cut roots to tap into their psychedelic compounds. And voila, here we have today in the 21st century, medical and recreational marijuana. <clears throat> also something else, again, going back to the spiritual warfare aspect of this, this uh, of, of, of uh, mer- medical marijuana, is uh, the, the word sorcery is something that's found in the New Testament several times. The New Testament uh-huh. condemns sorcery in you know, Revelation 9.21, 18.23, 22.14, 5.19. Sorcery is condemned as a work of the flesh. What's interesting, and, and as you well know, Dan, from your study of the biblical languages, yeah, I know is you're that going. The Greek, yeah, the Greek word for sorcery is pharmakeia, 
And right. the word pharmakeia, it's primarily used, when you look at uh, Bible dictionaries, it's primarily used to signify the use of medicine, drugs, spells, poisoning, and sorcery in the ancient world. Uh, and so this is what's being denounced in the New Testament. Stay away from sorcery. Well, the direct connection in sacred scripture, the word, it's, it's directly connected with the use of drugs and potions and medicines to alter the mind in the Old and New Testament. Yeah, you're spot on. I'm looking at my Greek, uh, uh, the, let's call the little Liddell, um, Liddell Scott, the Greek English lexicon uh, or dictionary. Pharmakeia, the use of drugs, potions, spells, poisoning, witchcraft. For, and also remedy or cure. So you see where they get the word pharmacy, right? Yeah. We go to the pharmacist, uh, um, you know, for to seek a cure, right? But interesting on that on that note, there was a study that came out. It was this is about 20 years ago. Um, for the longest time, the most respected profession in this country was was priest or minister. 30 years ago, a generation ago. Now the the number one re- the studies came out not long ago, a while back, but the number one respected profession was pharmacist. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so see, pharmacy there's there's something in there for healing, but pharma but this is the word like you say it. This is the word for sorcery because there, because it uses a chemical element. And what what is this? What what, what, what is not uh, in a sense the sacraments and sacramental system pharmacological in the sense that we use matter innate matter. Objects, water, uh, um, um, oils, the imposition of hands, uh, etc. We use innate matter uh, in terms of, uh, of salt, etc., to convey divine power. So this whole this whole idea of alchemy um, is 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 seeking uh, a spiritual remedy, just like it says here in the ancient definition of the word pharmakeia. Uh, uh, and this is what again, I'm not saying that every single dispensary is doing that, but uh, this is you know, but there is definitely a connection there. Again, looking at it from the from the from the from the big picture. Now think of this, Jess. I was just talking to Ernie about this last week. What's also popular among there's a lot of veterans out there, and someday when I get me my books written, I'd like to start doing some retreats for veterans, particularly with veterans and law enforcement and and, yeah. and and combat veterans to deal with PTSD. Because one of the one of a popular modality now for dealing with PTSD is psycho, what they call psychological therapy. They're they're getting guy and they're inducing psych you know uh, psychedelic drugs or giving them psychedelic drugs to deal with um the 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 the, the PTSD. Again, um, we're seeing the 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 avoidance of, of dealing with like, like I would just call it, this is the old smash mouth way, you know, dealing with it the old fashioned way through grace, through prayer, through penance, through self offering to Christ, making your body a living sacrifice. All this theology has been lost in the modern world, which through modernism has rejected a theology of suffering and a theology of the cross. Yeah, that's, that's precisely it. No Colossians one twenty four here, no offering your, 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 your body is a living sacrifice to God. So that God could uh, apply your sufferings, uh, you know, as a, as the balm of Gilead to the rest of the body of Christ. Yeah, this uh, the whole medical marijuana industry. It, what it does is is it destroys the entire notion of redemptive suffering in the individual Christian, because uh, you know I, I tell people I can't I, young people I can't imagine our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Somebody said, Hey Lord. Would you like a joint? Yeah, man, this is very painful. Can you can you light up a joint? Yeah, I need to smoke right now, please. Or get, let me vape something right now. This is very painful. I can't see him doing that because he gave us the example of how to pick up your cross and and uh, and basically uh, offer yourself completely in the altar of sacrifice. And what me- medical marijuana does and recreational marijuana does, 
It's destroying the entire notion of penance, of redemptive suffering. And also, Dan, as I read this article, something that's very, very obviously, it's, it's, it's a, right in your face. There's a one line where it says, look at the industries that pioneered the addiction business, uh, the, the addiction business, tobacco, alcohol, and pharmaceuticals. Today, all three of these businesses are heavily invested in cannabis. Once again, 1 Timothy, I think it's chapter 610, follow the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. There are some bad people that are making tons of money off of this, and this is why it's so powerful. And the last thing I want to mention is another article that I read over in California. 90% of the marijuana industry in California is being run by the Mexican cartels. They run the California marijuana industry, Mexico's Mexican cartels. And guess what? All of them are all the seven crime families in Mexico are avowed Satanists. They run the marijuana industry in California. California influences the rest of the country. Yep. All right. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. We're going to be talking about an Opus Dei bishop who abolishes the ministry of exorcism. Wednesday War College, Dr. Dan Schneider, Jess Romero, talking about all things spiritual warfare. Dan, I got a few texts. People are saying that was a very simple definition that Dr. Dan Schneider gave us about alchemy. Can you repeat it again? You got you got people requesting for you to repeat your definition okay. of alchemy again. So alchemy is the use of physical matter in, in innate matter, right? Meaning matter, you know, the, uh, physical matter, either innate or animate. Okay. Meaning leaves, um, you know, um, tea leaves, et cetera, or other substances innate without inert and to convey the supernatural, just like our sacramental system is based upon the conveyance of grace that Christ through, through the church continues to pour out his grace just like he healed the 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 this is one of the reasons for example in John chapter we read John chapter 9 at, at baptism the the healing of the blind the, the man born blind Jesus uses matter he's showing his power over creation by making through his he's making mud through his own spit and smearing it on his eyes and and healing his eyes uh, um this is so this is why we we see the the how how physical matter can be used to convey divine power and alchemy is just a mockery it's just a diabolic inversion of that it's using it's using matter to convey uh, spiritual power uh, you know whether it's a love potion or whether it's uh, um, you know uh, uh, other things that the alchemists or the sorcerers use uh, saging and these other things that we see it's using an inanimate objects to to convey divine or cosmic power. And it's still used right now by the world of the occult, obviously. Oh, we see it all the time. I have, you know, whenever I've seen multiple times you go out to the abortion clinic and I've heard other experiences, the same thing when they're out there doing their 40 days for life. There's always somebody out there trying to sage. There's always somebody out there doing other sorts of rituals to try to counteract what's going on through the prayer of these peaceful protesters. So, so alchemy is basically an occult practice of using, creating uh, spiritual energies through so-called uh, medicinal herbs, spices, uh, uh, and, and other, other objects. Wow. Good stuff. I'm looking at a dictionary. It says 
a science alchemy no longer practiced that sought to transform one chemical element into another through a combination of magic and right so what you do you take you take you take you're trying to to alter the chemical composition of this matter through the imposition of magic through through the invocation i should say invoking magic invoking spells and incantations upon some material object to change its substance in one form into one form or another to convey power dangerous stuff hey dan let's move on to another topic there's a bishop okay. an opus day bishop uh, it says here well pope francis is being credited with a revival of interest in exorcisms sure bishop jose maria bonemain uh, of Switzerland, uh, Pope Francis' follower has abolished the post of exorcist because, according to him, it's no longer needed. The last exorcist, Father Christ Christoph Cassetti, died in February 2020. Spanish-born Bonamine, who was ordained a priest for the Opus Dei, never informed anybody about this, but only answered to questions uh, from a news agency on November 24th. Uh, they actually just answered questions to a homosexual state radio which erupted in jubilation at his answers. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. In assessing demonic possession, Bonneman puts his faith mainly in a normal solution like medicine, psychology. There's no need to find secret causes, he said, although nobody has claimed that. Sounds like the Diocese of Phoenix. I'll talk about that later. Uh, we've also here, we're bringing in the Ministry of Psychology and Psychiatry. There's a heavy emphasis on that. And I'm just wondering, the same thing has happened here. Hmm. Says here the article, criteria for determining whether a person needs an exorcism include clairvoyance, knowledge of hidden matters, speaking in unknown languages, ability to distinguish blessed objects, extraordinary strength, occult symbols appearing in the skin during the prayer, spitting out objects, health disorders that cannot be diagnosed. Bonamine, this bishop, Bonamine admits he has no idea about exorcism, I've never been confronted with a person where I had where I had to say a major exorcism is required. Retired auxiliary bishop Martin Gator, 83, an exorcist of Basel Diocese, told uh, this uh, homosexual radio station that in 30 years he has performed only one major exorcism. But since there are no more exorcisms in church dioceses, he is confronted with more requests. Uh, he contradicted himself, no longer needed. What's interesting is it says Christ here performed over 10 exorcisms in three public years on earth. Actually, I've counted 27 in the New Testament, so I'll, I correct that article. Evidently, this example is of little importance for the Novus Ordo Church. <clears throat> Dan, it seems that the same thing's happening here in the Diocese of Phoenix, Arizona. We, there's a heavy emphasis now on, on psychology and psychiatry and social sciences, and uh, I, I think Phoenix is probably going to go the, the, the same way as the diocese here in, uh, in Switzerland. But let me ask you, Dan, how, is important, how important is it spiritually for protection to have an exorcist in every diocese. Dan, are you there? Yeah, I lost you for a second there. Yeah. Yeah, my question is, Dan, how, is it, how important is it to have a, a, an exorcism, an exorcist, the ministry in every diocese? I know uh, Kyle told me that Pope Benedict and Pope John Paul II, both of them uh, made a heavy request for that to, 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 to take place. And Kyle told me there's three popes that have made that request in the last hundred years. Pope Leo XIII, Pope John Paul II, and Pope Benedict. That every diocese have an exorcist. So my question to you is, uh, does an exorcist afford some type of protection for the lay people in the diocese and the priest? Well, sure. The exorcist, that's what a, man, a mandate is, a mandatum. It's the being sent 
he's being sent with the authority of the bishop. I mean, I've been in many sessions where the exorcist would have the lay associates just hold up a picture of the local bishop, and during the man, the de- causes a demon to manifest, causes tremendous pain, uh, just the sight of the local bishop. And so, and, and many exorcists will tell you the same thing: the possessed possessed people that get around them, even though they may not know it, or just afflicted people that are around the exorcist, they they get a visceral reaction. They get a they they, they can't they can't look at the priest, the exorcist priest in the eye. They can't make they can't touch him and shake his hand. They can't they can't be around when he raises his hand in blessing. It causes fear. The demon knows this, and 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 that authority of the bishop is mandated. It is given. It is sent forth. To the mandated exorcist, so I, and I and I think I think we have to be 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 aware that there is a lot a, a large amount of psychology. There is a psychological component, and right. and part of the Libra Cristo protocol is to ferret that out. Um, you know, I've made I've been on teams where they've made the mistake of just praying over absolutely everybody. You know, I was in I was in a, a speaking at a conference at a parish uh, not long ago, and people waited for two hours in line to ask questions. You know, after the conference, it was. Uh, uh, there's so much hurt and pain out there. And several people came up and said, Father, so-and-so prayed over me and, and, uh, and I'm possessed and he's an exorcist and nothing happened. So I must be really possessed. God must not be able to liberate me, you know, and sometimes, sometimes it is psychological. So if you pray over somebody and it's psychological, um, you, sometimes you're doing more harm than good. This is why Father Ripperker developed the four, four, four phase protocol, because it helps to ferret that out and addresses the psychological component. This is the only, this is the only model of liberation that actually addresses it and 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 uh, um, that I know of addressing the psychological now that being said um, ha- there's certain things you cannot deny um, the existence you know you cannot psychologically explain somebody levitating somebody turning into a spider and crawling up their body contorting and crawling up a wall like a spider backwards um, at the sight of the of, of the exorcist priest who has or, or a priest uh, at the end of mass, so, you know the 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 um, the the um, resistance to the the sensitivity to the sacred. You know the, the article lists a few things that were kind of not necessarily correct, but it's it's the it's the uh, the occult knowledge, including languages, superhuman strength, and then and then aversion to the sacred. These things uh, these things cannot be. You're talking about things that that cannot be explained on a very physiological level. Do we need the work? Of, of mental health professionals, absolutely. We're, we constantly, uh, we have on every team, the Libra Cristo teams out there, we have cons- we have good, well-formed Catholic mental health professionals involved, and we have to, and we track that. Before we go to, a, we take a single case to prayer, we have to get a medical report, a physical report, as well as a psychological report um, to show that, yeah, there, there's something here that's not explainable. There's something here that I cannot explain as a medical professional, a mental health professional. So there is a need for it. But at the same time, to dismiss the office of exorcism altogether, all it's it, it's going to it's going to open up a floodgate of of, of diabolic in, in, in a diocese. Dan, I got a text from somebody right now. They're asking about going back to the prior uh, question: uh, Are crystals are they part of uh, the world of alchemy? Can they be considered part of that world, that occult world, crystals? Yeah, it's definitely a part of the cult world. Alchemy, generally, you're talking about the use of chemicals. But if you think about crystals, crystals are things that have been chemically altered and changed over time. And through that chemical alteration, allow for uh, uh, and with the invocation of of false gods, then uh, those crystals channel energies. Anything that's being used to bring energy 
so-called force, power, healing, even white magic. It's still it's still a recourse, says St. Father, Father Abarth, a recourse to Satan, because it's invoking something foreign, something other than the true God, and invoking it outside the human body, into the human body, or situation, or place, in the case of saging or use of chemicals, I mean, uh, of, of crystals. So yes, that would be that would be a form of alchemy, or at least a, definitely a form of witchcraft. Dan, going back to this uh, this bishop, Bishop uh, Joseph Bonamine, he's over in the diocese. He's uh, let me see the diocese of what Switzerland? Yeah, Switzerland, Chur, Switzerland. I guess that's what it's called. It also there's another article that says that uh, many priests are criticizing his new code of conduct because he's attempting to implant the LGBT ideology. Now, here's to me what's I see a connection. If this bishop, Bishop Joseph Bonneman, is of, of, Church, of Church Switzerland, if he is pro-LGBT, as this article indicates, and that's not a surprise because there's many in this country that are pro-LGBT as well, and they're bishops, successors of the apostles. If, in fact, that's the case, uh, then it doesn't surprise me that he wants to remove the office of exorcism. And, and what I'm saying is there's a connection there. Yeah, yeah. We're seeing it. At, you know, Father Ripperker has said that there's been there's been a real um, what 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 a 1960 would take two a week or two to deliver a possessed person in 1960 is now taking up to two years. Uh, we we have a phrase uh, that that we use just we call the slow grind. That there are many many cases are just on the slow grind, which means the exorcist and and, and his uh, the team that's helping him are just grinding it out week in week out over a long period of time. So we'll go back and finish that thought. We yeah, we'll finish it. that thought uh, up. Yeah, we'll continue with this topic. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Wednesday War College. Wednesday War College, just remember Dan Schneider, St. Andrew, Patri- uh, He's a, today is, is a feast day, pray for us. What an amazing saint. Dan, we're talking about uh, <clears throat> this bishop, Bishop Joseph Bonneman of, of Church, Switzerland. He's uh, pro-LGBT, and he's also got rid of the Ministry of Exorcism in the Diocese of Chur, uh, Switzerland. This remind again, I'm just making a connection here. Okay, these are my, my, my police glasses that I'm putting on. Um, if he's removing the office of exorcist in his diocese uh, and he's pro-LGBT, that makes sense. Obviously, because the demon, uh, the, the demon of homosexuality, which Father Ripperger says of two of the five generals are, are part of the homosexual uh, you know, table of demons of the five. Uh, it would stand to reason that he would get a bishop. He would just project thoughts into his mind to make make sure you get rid of the exorcists in this diocese because they uh, they're troublemakers. They cause me a lot of pain, which reminds me of a of a quote from Saint Jerome back in the fourth century. He says, "quote It is rare to find a heretic that loves chastity." Again, uh, this is the state of the church right now. We just got have to uh, storm heaven with prayer when we got to be personally holy as Catholics. Uh, you got to become holy or die trying. That's that's the solution. Holiness, personal holiness. Hey, Dan, tell us a little bit about St. Charles Borromeo. Uh, it was his feast, I think, sometime this week. 
and we had a conversation, and you had some. Sh- you, you want to share something about St. Charles Borromeo? Yeah, yeah. Let me comment on something first before, before we move on to St. Charles. Um, okay. Two points of two points here on this particular topic that you're talking about in the last segment. Um, part of the the, the 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 protocol and the new manual that that's coming out next year with Tan, um, the Libra Cristo manual uh, for 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 spiritual combat. Part of it is of recognizing the symbiotic or the psychological compatibility with the demon. So, so the, the, so if you've got these, you know, a deep, a deep-seated homosexuality, it's going to attract uh, that 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 vice is going to attract that dist- that fallen angel. So the fallen human in his trauma is a, it creates a symbiotic attraction, a, a psychological compatibility with the fallen angel or demon. And so this is very critical for us to get mentally healthy and not, again, not just jumping to marijuana because it makes us feel better, but getting mentally healthy. And how do we turn it inside out? How do we integrate that trauma, whether it's sexual abuse or anything else, whatever trauma, because we all have it. It's part of the human experience, but dealing with it and offering up through suffering is absolutely critical. This is why suffering is critical to spiritual combat. Um, number two is what Father had said, you know, 1960, we were, liberations would come in a week or two. Now we're taking a year or two and having to fall back into the slow grind, just keep pounding. Um, we talk about the, the effect of the sacraments uh, and, and there's a phrase, uh, we have op- ex opere, you remember this from our theology at Steubenville, yeah. Jess, yeah. ex opere operato, which is the objective conference of grace, and ex opere operantis, which is a subjective appropriation of the graces offered objectively in the sacraments. So we understand those two principles, right? Jesus is fully present on the altar in the, in the Holy Eucharist. I receive more or less depending on my interior disposition. If I'm in a state of mortal sin, my, I, I obviously would receive less grace than somebody who is you know, in a state of grace and spent hours of fasting and prayer. So there's another phrase that Father Hardin defines in, this is a great book, by the way, the Modern Catholic Dictionary. Mm-hmm. It's called Ex Opere Operantis Ecclesiae. And this explains this, this two-year delay in liberations. And it comes back to the subjective appropriation of the graces offered through the church by Christ. And this Ex Opere Operantis Ecclesiae, Father Hardin defines in his Modern Catholic Dictionary, a phrase used to distinguish the value of liturgical prayer and action whose supernatural efficacy depends on the church's sanctity and not as in the sacraments, simply on the fact that the sacramental rite is performed. So there's a certain amount of efficacy um, that flows through the sanctity of the church. And so as the church is compromised morally, there's going to be a lack of efficaciousness. Dan, we lost you. We lost Dan Schneider. You're listening to Wednesday War College. Dan will be right back. Uh, my name is Jesse Romero. We're talking about uh, the way the, the economy of grace, the way grace works, the way grace operates. And uh, thanks be to God that grace is objective when it comes from the sacraments. It objectively comes. Yeah, but again, uh, Dan, are you there? Did, that, did I get into how? When did it cut me off? Uh, you got cut off about 30 seconds ago. Okay, so ex, yeah. ex opere operantis ecclesiae. This is what Father Hardin defines. A phrase to distinguish the value of liturgical prayer and action, whose supernatural efficacy depends on the church's sanctity, and not as in the sacraments, simply on the fact that the sacramental rite is performed. And so the value of liturgical prayer and action, the value, the power and efficacy, the supernatural efficacy, he says, this is Father Hardin, uh, uh, you know, modern Catholic dictionary. This is good DDT, devil defeating theology, mm. depends on the church's sanctity. 
And so we see at the beginning of the rite of exorcism uh, warnings to the priest. You must be fasted. You must fast and be prayed up. You must be in a state of grace. You must be seeking holiness to be effective in your ministry as an exorcist. And so the church, the church is not getting the liberations that we got 40 years ago, 50 years ago, because of this principle. Ex, ex opere operantes ecclesia. The church lacks holiness, and the more that we're compromised, mm. both in the world and morally, in the hierarchy of the church—not just the lady, but in the hierarchy of the church—it's going to—it's going to be—it's going to be less efficacious. We're not going to get as many liberations. But think about this practically, Jess. A guy comes to you and says, "My kids are smoking smoking pot, and they won't quit smoking pot." And my, and 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 I know that they're they're having they're having premarital sex. Well, tell me about your personal life. Well, I smoke pot, but I'm an adult, and, and I look at porn. And, and and I've been unfaithful and I don't and I don't I'm not I don't go to confession, but I need I need to fix my kids. Well, the, the efficacious is of the father's ability to father has been compromised by his own state of immorality, which diminishes his ability to father. And if we know that to be true as fathers and husbands, why would that not be true to our spiritual fathers in, in the hierarchy of the church? This is why I sent that article on on uh, St. Uh, um, Charles Borromeo, Charles Borromeo. Uh, because it, it was really it was really eye opening um, when you read the life of Charles. What well, was going you, on? You got four minutes. Go ahead, tell us about it. Yeah, go ahead. If you've got it. You've got it in front of you. Um, read yeah. it. Sir Charles Borromeo was a leading figure of the Catholic Reformation. He was born in a in a castle on the shores of Lake Maggiore in northern Italy to a powerful family. He was related to a, to the, to the Medici through his mother. As a second son, he was destined for a career in the church from an early age. He received a doctorate in civil and canon law at the University of Pavia, and when his uncle was elected Pope Pius IV in 1559, he was summoned to Rome and made a cardinal. Among many other responsibilities, he was made administrator of the vacant diocese of Milan and protector of, of the Catholic cantons of Switzerland and of the Franciscans and the Carmelites. He played a large part in the diplomatic efforts that led to the reopening uh, in 1562 of the Reforming Council of Trent, which had been suspended since 1552. As long as the church was in a weak and corrupt state, emperors and kings could control it and its assets, and they would not easily give up control. In late 1562, Charles' elder brother died, leaving him as head of the family. His relations wanted him to abandon his ecclesiastical career in Mary, and even the Pope suggested it, but Charles saw his brother's death as a sign of the vanity of human wishes. Eventually, in 1563, he settled the argument by secretly being ordained a priest, he was soon consecrated as Archbishop of Milan. He worked on the Catechism, the Missal, and the Breviary, and reformed his own diocese as well as he could from a distance through trusted deputies. At length, Pius uh, IV died in 1566. His successor permitted Charles to take up residence. He set up the Confraternity of Christian Doctrine to teach children the faith. It was the beginning and inspiration of the Sunday School Movement. When famine struck the province, he fed 3,000 people at his own expense for three months and inspired others to do likewise. When plague came, he prepared himself for death, made his will, and went to the hospital where the worst cases were. After enormous amounts of nagging, preaching, and persuasion, the secular clergy at length followed his example. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, isn't that amazing? He had to nag them what to do what's right, man. to nag them to do their job. I mean, this is nothing new. Go ahead. I'm sorry. to. As might be expected, Charles encountered determined opposition to his program of reform. His aunts in Dominican, in Dominican convents treated the introduction of grills as a personal insult. More seriously, the canons of one church slammed the door in his face to prevent him 
for making a visitation, and their servants fired at him, damaging the crucifix he was carrying, and the members of a rich and corrupt order of monks were so opposed to being reformed that one of them dressed as a layman, joined Charles's household at evening prayer, and shot him. <laughs> the assassin's bullet did not penetrate Charles' clothing. Two years later, the Pope had to suppress the order and distribute its assets, a sad end to an order that had that had done much good and produced many saints in its 350-year history. The king of Spain, whose jurisdiction included Milan at the time, resisted any diminution of his power, and the next 15 years are a complex tapestry of arrest, excommunications, denunciations, calumnies, and absolutions, ending at last in peace. Charles' final visitation was of the cantons of Switzerland in 1583, where as well as the usual corruptions and abuses, he had to deal with senior priests, who were practicing witchcraft and sorcery. And enemies who claimed that his fight was against heresy was a plot to extend Spanish domination into the region. Charles died November 3rd, 1584, at the age of 46. Pray for us. Dan. Yeah, no, it's been, it, you see, you see that yeah. there's nothing new under the sun. We exactly. should not be surprised. Exactly. As you, as you have aptly said, you were born quoting Esther. You were born in, or Mordecai to Esther. You were born for such a time as this. This is the time that church that we live in. But if we think that everything should be perfect. We're, that's not true. We have to keep, we have to realize and see the whole panoramic of the church. Corruption has gone, has come and gone. The enemy has gone inside the wire and pushed outside the wire again. St. Car- or St. John Henry Newman said in times of crisis, it is the laity that will save the church. And there's a reason for that, that we have to push back with charity, with honesty, with truth in our homes, starting first in the world. Uh, uh, and, and but but continually to proclaim the truth in, in charity and realizing that, again, what Charles was dealing with in Switzerland, witchcraft, uh, sorcery in the church, assassinations attempts. This should not surprise us that we hear Cardinal Vigano in hiding Right. From whom? That's a good question. Right. So we're, we're seeing this play out again and again. We should we shouldn't be discouraged. This should get you fired up. You should say, no, put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I want to I want God gave me life in this particular time to militate for the truth in the church, in our homes, in our society, wherever he has placed us. That's right. As the, the old the, the middle age chant from the Crusaders, Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ commands or Christus vincit. Cristos reinat, Cristos imperat. That's a wrap. Wednesday That's War it. College. Dan, thanks for coming on, brother. It's uh, it's always oh. good to have you on. What a, what a treat. Thank you for having me. It's, what a pleasure. We'll see you. You got it, buddy. Hey, uh, we've got uh, we've got Gary Machuda coming on next. Uh, hands on apologetics. As for me and Dan Schneider, we are EOW. End of watch. We are out, but uh, we're never out off duty. Uh, in the service of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and Our Lady. You can bet on that. We'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith.